Wow, praise the Lord. <clears throat> Quite uh, hard to come and speak after such a very exciting song and moves and uh, praises. Praise the Lord indeed. What a wonderful God we have. It's great to see you all. Um, it's amazing, isn't it, to be together, give praise to the Lord God Almighty as a family, as a church, our church family. It's um, all in God's hands, really. So for today, you know, I was thinking maybe to speak a bit more about myself, but I thought I'm not in an electoral campaign, so for the, you know, vote in December. So I thought it's worth talking more about Jesus, isn't it? It's December, it's about Jesus' birth, it's about God. That's why we're here for. It's all about Jesus, it's all about God. So the message of today is about who is Jesus? Who is Jesus for me? Who is Jesus for us? Who is Jesus for our church? But firstly, just wanted to say thank you very much for your prayers as a family, as a church, praying for each other. It's such a privilege. It's such a gift, isn't it? So prayers during the week that Jackie sends out, knowing when you're going through difficult times, knowing that your church family are praying for you. It's such an encouragement, such a blessing. So just wanted to say thank you all for your prayers. Prayers on a, on a Monday, which we, we know there is a group of prayer. Prayers during the week. Prayers, you know, are the Lord, Lord blessing, blessings for us. And let's take these prayers as the, one of the best presents this Christmas. One of the best presents God has for us. Knowing that someone, people are praying for you. It's such a great gift. And that I wanted to say thank you so much for, for those prayers. We are in the 21st century and we're still talking about a person who lived more than 2,000 years ago. Every year on Christmas, people are celebrating something. But how many really understand what it's all about? A recent article last week reads, some sad news in a way, so census 2021 will probably be remembered as the one in which Christianity became a minority religion in England and Wales. On census day, 21st of March 2021, 46.2% of people identify themselves as Christians, compared to 59.3% of the population in the 2011 census, a 13 percentage point drop in a decade. A key finding for the census helps to explain this, the significant rise in people identifying as of no particular faith at all. So these are the news, and I was thinking, why? Why is this? The science hasn't made a breakthrough to show there is no God. On the contrary, the science recently even more and more shows there is a creator. There is an intelligent design. The word of God hasn't changed. God himself hasn't changed. So I was thinking, what has changed? And um, sadly, I thought, you know, God's people maybe have changed. Christians around the world, around the country, have missed opportunities maybe to show who Jesus really is. We've lost maybe the power, we've lost, uh, we lowered our voice, maybe become more shy, more quiet, missing opportunities to show 
the love of God, the love of Christ for humanity, for us all, became shine to share what God has done for us. So we became more scared, maybe, or sometimes maybe more comfortable to share the love that God had for us. So I'm sure, you know, in this world, sometimes churches, they maybe they fought the, the wrong war. They fought for influence. They fought for um, power, denominations between themselves. And, you know, sometimes maybe we lost the focus as churches because the war is not within and between ourselves. The war is not between churches and denominations. The war is a spiritual war out there with the evil thoughts, the evil teachings, the pain, the hate, and uh, the negative influence that it is in our world. So let us remember this day in December, this Christmas, who Jesus really is for us. Let's show more love of God around us. And I'm sure God has great things for us to do here in this church and in Adelstone and in our neighborhood. For this Christmas, let's show again, let's shine that light in the world, showing people what God did for us. If, for example, you have a meal to invite a friend, a pudding, to invite someone for a cuppa and a prayer this Christmas, let's celebrate Jesus as we sang and we lighten those candles of hope and peace. And remember, who is Jesus for us? What is Christmas all about? If we think of Jesus, just we all know a few sort of short descriptions. He only lived like 33 years on this earth. He didn't have a university degree. He didn't have an army to conquer the world. He didn't even travel too far, just on one continent. But today, still people are remembering this extraordinary person. You know, artists are still writing about them. Writers and artists are still painting, are still talking about him. So who is this Jesus? Who is this man who changed the world, who changed us? And that's what I wanted to focus this morning, on some of his characteristics in the Bible, just as a reminder for us all about who he is and what he's done for us. So first, to remember that Jesus is the sign, the sign of God, the sign from God for us all. He is the sign. And we have a couple of uh, scriptures, the verses in, um, at the table today. So Stephen, I think you're the first one to read the verse for us, please. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. Thank you. So in the last days, God spoke through his Son. Jesus is the sign. Jesus is the most extraordinary sign that God gave to us. And in Matthew chapter 16, verse 1-2, it says there, the Pharisees and Sadducees came to Jesus and tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. And he replied, when evening comes, you say, it will be, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. 
And then he said, you know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. So he was talking about himself. They were looking for a sign. He was the sign. He was the expected Messiah. And in Isaiah, even, in chapter 7, 14, it says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and call him Emmanuel. What a courageous prophecy that was. I mean, it's one to prophesy about politics and about empires and kings, regimes, nations. But to say something so specific, the virgin will give birth to a son and you will call him Emmanuel. Hundreds of years ago in Isaiah, that is the sign that God spoke to his prophet. That is the sign we've seen that we're celebrating during Christmas, the virgin birth. And we sometimes were asking for a sign in our lives. And in fairness, to be honest, I asked for a sign myself, you know, for the decisions that we have to make. And although God spoke through different ways, he spoke through this message again. And Jesus was saying, I am the greatest sign, signs of all. He is for us the greatest sign. His life, his death, even more so his resurrection is the greatest sign people have ever seen until his second coming, indeed, when we're going to see another great uh, sign from God. And people on his, in his time, they had this question, who is this? Who is this man who even the storms are listened to? And Jesus was saying today, I am to them. I am the one. I am the light. I am the living water. His glory, we saw in, in his work, uh, on, his, on, on his work on, on the earth. And this is what Christianity is all about. Remember who Jesus is for us. So if someone is looking for a sign this Christmas, let's remember Jesus is the sign from God. That was the first point. Secondly, Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. He is the culmination of all from Adam to John the Baptist and to Jesus himself. In 1 Corinthians, Adam was called the first man and Jesus is the last man. Adam was from dust, Jesus was from heaven. Can we imagine these old books written across the countries, hundreds of miles away from each other and hundreds of years away from each other, all speaking about one thing, about Jesus, about the coming of the one who will give us salvation. This gives us goosebumps, isn't it? When we think of all those um, prophecies. If, for example, before COVID, I would stand here and, and I, if I would tell you that it's going to be a plague and we will be staying in our houses isolated, you would think, well, this man is a bit, you know, Truly, Luli, <laughs> we'll say. Or even if uh, you know, I'll come and say, well, we're going to have a prime minister in the office only for 45 days, you again will say, well, that's not possible. So these things happened according to the scripture. And it's amazing to remember, to see how God spoke and shown us about Jesus. 
So he is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. These prophecies with exact prediction make us truly believing and truly give, giving glory to, the, to our Lord. For example, in Genesis, even in chapter 3, after humanity fell short of um, God's love, it says here, the first prophecy about Jesus, verse 15, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. It's talking here about the offspring of a woman. So the virgin birth, which was Jesus coming from the Lord, will crush the evil one, evil's one head through what he did for us on the cross. How is it possible, such an old book, to give such a description about the Messiah? We also have in Isaiah, verse number two on the tables, if um, someone can read, please. We have the microphone there? Thank you. In Isaiah, again, chapter 42. This is Isaiah, chapter 42, verses 1 to 8. Here is my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. This is what God the Lord says, the creator of the heavens, who stretches them out, who spreads out the earth with all that springs from it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles. To open eyes that are blind. To free captives from prison and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. Amen. Amazing, isn't it? Isaiah 42, hundreds of years before Jesus is coming to open the eyes of the blind. That's what he did. Free the captives from prison, from the prison of their sins. So if these prophecies about his first coming have been all fulfilled in Jesus so precisely, then let's remember the prophecies about his second coming, which are a lot in the Old Testament and New Testament as well. For example, one of the prophecies in Amos chapter 8, verse 11, about his second coming, which will be another amazing sign from God. It says here in Amos chapter 8, Behold, the days come, said the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. A famine of hearing the words of the Lord. Seeing the results from the census that we just read about. We can see, in a way, these prophecies, this prophecy in our days, isn't it? It's such a hunger for God's word. Such a hunger for God's wisdom in our world. 
And maybe we are the generation again to bring this word back to life into the world, to bring the word of God again in people's hearts, to show love of God in, on earth. That's an amazing prophecy there. And we can see we're living in those times. So let's remember those uh, elements showing about Jesus' coming, first coming and second coming. The third point is to remember who is Jesus. Jesus is eternal. He's not bound by time or space. Jesus did not start his existence as a baby in a manger. Manger? As we remember at Christmas, this was the beginning of his life on earth, in flesh, God incarnated. But he is eternal. And let's read verse number three on the tables, John chapter 8. John eight fifty six to 59. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You are not yet 50 years old, they said to him, and you have seen Abraham. Very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. At this they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. Amen. Thank you. We see that Jesus saying before Abraham was him. What an amazing statement. And they took stones because that was like a blasphemy for them, for their ears. But let's remember this Christmas, Jesus is not just a baby. He didn't stay as a baby in a, in a manger. He is the glory of God. He's the, the right hand of God now praying um, for us. Abraham was invoked in this story where the Jewish people had so much pride in uh, seeing themselves as descendants of Abraham. But Jesus reminded them and reminds us today, descendants of Abraham is not by, by flesh, it's by faith. We who believe in Jesus, we are descendants of Abraham as well. So this implies that those who accept Jesus in their life, who accept his word, will not test death either. That's the promise we have. The faith in the promised one, the faith in Lord Jesus. So in making this statement, Jesus said, we witnessing his resurrection, his, his life on earth, we are descendants of Abraham if we believe in what he did for us. So let's remember Jesus is eternal. He's God. He's not uh, just bound by time and space as many maybe believe. The fourth point, of course, one of the most important is that Jesus is God. He is the Son of God. And we have many proofs to, to show that. But one of the proofs I want to focus this morning is that he forgave people's sins. And Jews knew that only God can forgive someone's sin. Nowadays, people may be confused about what it is to be forgiven by God. Maybe adding their acts, adding their philosophy, their teachings, some penitence to be forgiven and so on. But the Bible says that only God can forgive our sins. 
So when Jesus said in Luke chapter 5, if someone can read those verses, number 4, let's see what Jesus pretended. Luke chapter 5, verses 20 to 21. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow that speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Amen. So he had the power, the courage to say, your sins are forgiven to that man. And in the eyes of the Pharisees, that was blasphemy. That was the reason they put him on the cross, because he was making himself same as God. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, Paul repeats this statement and says, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Let's remember this Christmas who Jesus really is for us. He is the one who can forgive our sins. He is the Son of God, God himself. And Colossians, it's such an amazing book. I was just reading through preparing this message um, and if the vote goes right, I will tell you the second part of this message. I'm just joking. But Colossians is such an amazing book where there was a heresy in Colossae where people were thinking some, some uh, combination of Jewish teaching with some agnostic teachings there, saying that Jesus was not enough. You need Jesus plus this, plus this, plus this. And Paul is trying to Tell them, no, 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 Jesus is enough for you. The central argument that Paul uses in Colossians is that Christ, in Christ, we have everything we need. Our wholeness, our fullness, perfection, and satisfaction. Just a few examples in, from Colossians 1.15. It tells us that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. In Colossians 1.17, Jesus is before all things, and in him all things are held together. Colossians 1.20, through Jesus, God will reconcile all things to himself. And then all who are united with Jesus have already graciously received from God the Father perfection, perfection wholeness, and satisfaction. Christ is enough. He is the Son of God. He is God. In Him, we have everything someone needs for salvation. Last point, point number five. Jesus was without sin. That's something we easily forget. And he was, this is another prophecy. You remember in, old, in the Old Testament when people were bringing, they used to bring a lamb for their sacrificing, for their sins. The lamb needed to be healthy and pure. This is a symbol that Jesus was the only person who has ever lived who never sinned. And he used to say in John chapter 8, verse 46, 46, he said to the people around him, Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I'm telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Imagine Someone standing in front of you today say, who of you can prove that I'm, I have a sin in my life? And I'm sure if I will say that, my wife, children, and some other people will say, yeah, I saw him. But for Jesus, no one dared to say because he was with no sin. And let's read the last scripture on our tables. 
from 1 Peter chapter 2, when Peter remember, remembered what Jesus did for us, and it's a good reminder for us all. Peter chapter 2. Okay. Uh, 1 Peter 2, 21 to 25. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Amen. What an amazing statement from Peter there. Another fantastic uh, reminder for us all. So let's remember this Christmas who Jesus really is. And I'll end this message with a text that shows us that Jesus is not the little baby that sometimes it's more comfortable for people celebrating Christmas to think of Jesus as a little baby. Because, you know, a baby doesn't, doesn't challenge, you, challenge you, doesn't bother you, isn't it? So very often we have this image of Jesus as a baby. But my friends, let's read the Revelation chapter 1, verses 10 to, 15 to 17. Let's see who Jesus really is today, his glory, how John saw Jesus. He says here, on the Lord's day I saw, I was in the spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was like, was like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of a rushing waters. In the right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. My friends, this is our Lord in his glory. Mighty God, shining Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, our Savior. And in his glory, when I read this passage, which I read a couple of times, but for this message, something stood out. And I want to share it with you as a last point this morning. You see in verse 16, it says that Jesus in his right hand, he held seven stars, which interpreters are saying that are about the churches at that time. But imagine seven stars, the creator, amazing Jesus, holding the stars in his right hand. And then in verse 17, when John fell down as of dead, he says here, then he placed his right hand on me. And this speaks to us, my friends. This Christmas, if you feel 
like you need reassurance, if you're struggling with anything, if you're in pain, if you're trying to reach out to God. Here, Jesus left the seven stars in his right hand and took the time to reach out to John down there. You see? He left the seven stars. He left the, the sort of the amazing power and he touched John on his shoulder. That's exactly what Jesus wants to do for us, for you and for me this Christmas. Wherever you may be, Jesus finds the time to put his right hand on you and say, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid wherever you may be going through. And I leave you with this promise this Christmas. Jesus puts his right hand on your shoulders and lifts you up to know him, to follow him, and to love him, for he really is our Lord and the King of Kings. Amen. God bless us all.